As the first light of dawn crept over the hills of Judea, the land itself seemed to awaken, stretching out in a tapestry of rolling landscapes, fertile valleys and stark deserts. This was a land steeped in history, a crossroads of cultures and religions, now under the shadow of the Roman eagle. The Roman presence was evident in the straight roads that cut through the countryside, the fortified garrisons dotting strategic locations, and the new cities built in the Roman style, boasting forums, amphitheatres and baths. Marcus Flavius stood on the ramparts of the Roman garrison, looking out over this land he had come to know. He could see the fields of wheat and barley, swaying gently in the morning breeze, worked by Judean farmers whose ancestors had tilled the same soil for generations. Beyond, the olive groves and vineyards spread out, silver-green leaves glinting in the sunlight, the fruits of the land that were taxed under Roman law, part of the tribute that flowed back to Rome. The great city of Jerusalem was visible in the distance, its temple mount catching the first rays of the sun, a symbol of the enduring faith of the Jewish people. Around it, the city teemed with life, a melting pot of Judeans, Greeks, Romans and others, drawn to this ancient centre of worship and commerce. But beneath the surface beauty and the busy life, there was a tension palpable in the air. It was in the wary glances of the farmers as Roman patrols passed by, in the hushed conversations in the marketplaces and in the fervent prayers at the temple. The Roman occupation had brought peace, the Pax Romana, but it was a peace enforced by the sword and the spear, by the legions that Marcus was a part of. Marcus had been in Judea long enough to see beyond the veneer of order and prosperity. He had witnessed the resentment simmering among the Judeans, their discontent with Roman taxes and laws, their yearning for freedom and self-determination. He had also seen the efforts of the Roman administration to govern justly, to integrate Judea into the empire while respecting its unique traditions and beliefs. It was a delicate balance, one that was constantly threatened by misunderstandings, by the acts of zealots and by the heavy hand of Roman justice. As he watched the day begin, Marcus reflected on his role in this land. He had been trained to fight, to defend the empire and enforce its laws. But here in Judea, he had begun to understand that the sword could not solve all problems, that there were complexities and subtleties to ruling that went beyond military might. The introduction to Judea was, for Marcus, an introduction to a world far more complicated than he had ever imagined. It was a world of ancient traditions and modern pressures, of faith and politics, of beauty and conflict. It was here, in this land of contrasts, that Marcus would be tested, not just as a soldier, but as a man. The garrison life, a microcosm of the Roman Empire's might, unfolded with the discipline and order that was the backbone of Rome's military success. Marcus Flavius, a young soldier within this formidable structure, navigated his daily existence amidst the rigorous demands of military duty and the camaraderie that bound the legionaries together. From the blare of the morning horn that echoed off the stone walls, calling the soldiers to wake before the sun had even touched the sky, to the evening's final roll call, Life inside the garrison was governed by a strict schedule. The dawn brought with it the first of many drills, where Marcus and his comrades practiced maneuvers and combat techniques in the training yard, a dusty expanse shadowed by the fort's high walls. Marcus moved through the exercises with a focus and precision that had been honed over years of relentless training. His sword sliced through the air, an extension of his will, 
as he faced off against his fellow soldiers in mock combat. Their grunts and shouts filled the yard, a symphony of effort and discipline that spoke of the deadly seriousness behind their preparations. The legionaries were not just training for the sake of discipline. They were preparing for the realities of warfare, for the moment when their skills would be tested in blood and battle. Yet life in the garrison was not solely defined by the rigours of military duty. It was also in these moments of shared struggle that bonds were forged, stronger than the steel of their swords. The camaraderie among the soldiers was a crucial counterbalance to the demands of their service. Meals taken in the communal mess hall, the stories exchanged under the dim light of oil lamps, and the rare moments of leisure in the bathhouse or the barracks courtyard. These were the threads that interlaced the composition of their shared existence. Marcus found a sense of belonging in this brotherhood, with soldiers hailing from across the empire, from the sun-kissed hills of Hispania to the mist-shrouded lands of Britannia, the garrison was a melting pot of cultures and backgrounds. Despite their diverse origins, they were united under the banner of Rome, each man a vital part of the legion's might. But the garrison was also a place of hierarchy and order, where rank dictated one's place within the intricate structure of military life. Marcus, though respected by his peers for his skill and integrity, was acutely aware of the boundaries set by rank. His interactions with the centurions and tribunes, the officers who commanded the legion, were marked by a formal deference, even as he earned their regard with his capabilities and leadership potential. The garrison, with its stone walls and watchtowers, stood as a bastion of Roman power in the heart of Judea. Yet within its confines, it was also a microcosm of the empire itself, a place where men from all corners of the known world came together to serve a cause greater than themselves. It was here, in the daily grind of drills and duties, in the moments of laughter and companionship, that Marcus Flavius found his place in the vast machinery of Rome's military might. As the sun set, casting long shadows over the garrison, Marcus stood atop the walls, looking out over the landscape. The day's labours had left him with a sense of weary satisfaction, a feeling shared by his comrades as they gathered for the evening meal. The night would bring a brief break from their duties, a chance to rest and recover before the horn sounded again at dawn. But even as he embraced the rhythm of garrison life, Marcus could not shake the feeling that this was but a prelude to the challenges that lay ahead. Judea was a land of unrest, a province where the peace imposed by Rome was always under threat. The garrison, for all its might, was an island in a sea of turbulence, and Marcus knew that the time would come when the skills honed in its courtyards would be put to the test in the service of the empire. Life inside the garrison was a convoluted curtain of duty, discipline and brotherhood. It was a life that Marcus had chosen, and one that he was prepared to live to the fullest, even as the winds of change began to stir beyond the fort's imposing walls. The Roman presence in Judea was not just a matter of military might, it was a raveled drape of governance, culture and economics that had been woven into the very frame of the land. Marcus Flavius, as both observer and participant, found himself crossing this knotty landscape, where the power and order of Rome met the ancient traditions and simmering unrest of the Judean people. The Roman administrative apparatus in Judea was a marvel of organization and efficiency. From the Grand Governor's Palace in Caesarea, where the Roman procurator held court, 
To the network of roads that connected the farthest corners of the province, the infrastructure of Roman rule was designed to integrate Judea firmly into the empire. Marcus, in his travels with the legion, had seen firsthand the Roman legal codes being enforced, the tax collectors making their rounds, and the public works that brought Roman engineering to the desert. But the Roman presence was not just about administration and order. It was also about the introduction of Roman culture and lifestyle into the heart of Judea. In cities like Sepphoris and Tiberias, Marcus had walked through forums filled with statues of Roman gods, visited amphitheatres where dramas and gladiatorial contests were held, and frequented bathhouses that were centres of social life. The Roman way of life, with its emphasis on public spaces, entertainment, and bathing rituals, offered a stark contrast to the more austere and communal traditions of the Judean people. Yet the Roman occupation of Judea was not an unchallenged imposition of power and culture. The heavy burden of taxes required to fund the Roman administration and military weighed heavily on the Judean peasantry, many of whom struggled to maintain their ancestral lands under the increasing demands. Marcus had seen the resentment this taxation stirred, had heard the whispers of discontent in the markets and villages. The Roman effort to maintain peace, the Pax Romana, often felt like an uneasy truce. The presence of Roman soldiers in Judean towns and cities, the sight of Roman standards flying over the temple in Jerusalem, were constant reminders of the foreign rule over the land. Marcus, with his keen sense of observation, could not ignore the undercurrent of resistance that ran through the Judean population. The zealots, fervent in their opposition to Roman rule, were a demonstration to the enduring desire for independence and self-governance among the Judeans. Amidst this complicated interchange of power, culture and resistance, Marcus found himself considering on the role he played. He had come to Judea as a soldier of Rome, trained to enforce the peace and uphold the laws of the empire, Yet the more he learned of the land and its people, the more he questioned the nature of peace and the justice of Roman rule. The splendor of Roman architecture and the sophistication of Roman law seemed less impressive when viewed against the backdrop of forced compliance and cultural imposition. The Roman presence in Judea was, for Marcus, a constant balancing act between admiration for the achievements of his people and empathy for the plight of the occupied, he saw the benefits that Roman governance brought to the land, the security and order that allowed trade and culture to flourish. But he also saw the costs, the sacrifices demanded of the Judean people, and the loss of their autonomy. As Marcus patrolled the streets of Jerusalem or stood watch over the garrison walls, he could not help but give thought to the legacy of Roman rule in Judea. Would Rome be remembered as a bringer of civilization or as an oppressor? Could peace truly be maintained by the sword, and at what point did the imposition of order become tyranny? These were questions without easy answers, questions that Marcus grappled with as he fulfilled his duties. The Roman presence in Judea was a fact of life, a reality that shaped the existence of every person in the province, Roman and Judean alike. For Marcus, it was also a challenge, a call to understand the true meaning of leadership and justice in a land far from his own. The Roman presence in Judea, with all its complexity and contradiction, was the scene against which Marcus's story unfurled. It was a setting that tested his beliefs, challenged his loyalties, and ultimately forced him to confront the values he held most dear. The mosaic of Judean society and culture, 
profuse in tradition and steeped in a deep sense of history, unsealed around Marcus Flavius as he navigated his role within the Roman garrison. Beyond the confines of Roman military order, Judea thrummed with the vibrant life of its people, a community bound by faith, tradition, and a hardy spirit in the face of occupation. The streets of Jerusalem, the heart of Judea, were a hectic mosaic of life, where the air was filled with the scent of fresh bread from the bakers, the sound of merchants hawking their wares in the marketplace, and the solemn chants of prayers echoing from the Temple Mount. Here, Marcus encountered the soul of Judean society, a people whose lives were elaborately entwined with the fibers of their religious beliefs and cultural practices. As he walked through the city, Marcus observed the Judeans as they engaged in their daily rituals. Families headed to the temple to offer sacrifices, their steps reverent, their faces etched with the solemnity of their faith. Scholars debated vigorously in the courtyards, their discussions revolving around the intricacies of the Torah, demonstrating the value placed on learning and interpretation in Judean culture. But Judea was not a monolith. It was a land of diversity, where different sects and groups coexisted, each with their own interpretations of faith and practice. The Pharisees, with their strict adherence to the law and their emphasis on purity. The Sadducees, the aristocratic priests who managed the temple's rites, and the Essenes, who retreated to the desert seeking spiritual purity, all contributed to the plentiful religious collage of the land. Marcus, coming from the structured world of the Roman military, found this diversity both fascinating and bewildering. The deep faith of the Judeans, their unwavering commitment to their traditions and laws, stood in stark contrast to the pragmatic religiosity of Rome, where gods were worshipped more for political than spiritual reasons. Yet, the occupation cast a long shadow over Judean society. The Roman presence was a constant pressure, a source of tension that strained the constitution of Judean life. Marcus saw how the taxes imposed by Rome burdened the families, how the presence of Roman soldiers in their holy city was a constant affront to the Judeans, and how the puppet kings, installed by Rome, were viewed with disdain by the populace. Despite these pressures, the Judeans' culture and faith remained resilient. Festivals like Passover and Sukkot drew crowds from across Judea, celebrations that not only marked the seasons and historical events, but also served as acts of communal defiance against the occupation, affirming their identity and traditions in the face of Roman rule. In the rural areas, away from the urban centers, Marcus witnessed another aspect of Judean life. Here the land was worked by farmers who toiled to produce the crops that fed the cities, lived in villages where community life was governed by local elders, and faith was practiced in synagogues, the centers of religious and social life in the countryside. These communities, though less visible than the bustling city of Jerusalem, were the backbone of Judean society, maintaining the customs and traditions that had been passed down through generations. As Marcus's understanding of Judean society deepened, so too did his appreciation for its intricacy and vitality. He began to see the Judeans not as subjects to be governed, but as a people with their own abundant history and culture, deserving of respect and understanding. This realization was a turning point for Marcus, testing him to reconsider his own beliefs and the role he played in the land of Judea. The structure of Judean society and culture, with its deep historical roots and its lively expression of faith and community life, offered Marcus a glimpse into a world vastly different from his own. 
It was a world that, despite the challenges of Roman occupation, continued to thrive, a testament to the long-lasting spirit of the Judean people. As Marcus Flavius's understanding of Judea deepened, so too did his insight into the compounded political climate that simmered beneath the surface of everyday life. The Roman occupation, while imposing a semblance of order, had also sown the seeds of dissent, creating a prospect marked by tension and unrest. The political climate of Judea was a mosaic of conflicting loyalties and aspirations. At the core of this was the uneasy relationship between the Roman authorities and the local Jewish leadership, embodied by the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Council and Tribunal. The Sanhedrin, while flourishing considerable influence over religious and legal matters within the Jewish community, operated under the watchful eye of the Roman procurator, whose approval was necessary for the execution of certain decisions. Marcus witnessed firsthand the delicate dance of power and diplomacy that played out between these two entities. He saw how the Jewish leaders helmed the fine line between cooperating with the Romans to maintain a measure of peace and autonomy and resisting the encroachments on their traditions and authority. This balancing act was fraught with difficulties, as any perceived misstep could lead to conflict or repression. The political landscape was further muddled by the presence of various factions within Judean society, each with its own vision for the future. The Pharisees, with their strict adherence to the law, advocated for a life of piety and purity, hoping for a Messiah who would restore Jewish sovereignty. The Sadducees, primarily from the priestly and aristocratic classes, sought to maintain the status quo, benefiting from their collaboration with the Roman authorities. The Zealots, meanwhile, represented the radical fringe, openly advocating for armed rebellion against Rome, driven by a fervent belief in their divine right to self-rule. In the midst of these factions, the everyday people of Judea lived with the constant tension of occupation. The heavy taxes imposed by Rome the presence of Roman soldiers in their cities and towns, and the spectre of crucifixion for those caught resisting the occupation, were daily reminders of their subjugation. Yet there was also a palpable sense of hope and persistence among the people, a belief that their faith and communal bonds would sustain them through these trying times. Marcus, through his interactions with both the occupiers and the occupied, began to see the occupation through a new lens, he understood that the political climate of Judea was not merely a background to his service, but was, in fact, the very crux of the trial facing the Roman Empire in this distant province. The quest for peace and stability was not simply a matter of enforcing Roman law, but required a nuanced grasp of the local culture, beliefs, and political aspirations. The tipping point came with the arrival of news about a planned insurrection in a nearby village, a desperate attempt by a group of zealots to challenge Roman authority. Marcus was among the soldiers dispatched to quell the uprising, a mission that would test his loyalty to Rome and his empathy for the Judean people. As he prepared for the confrontation, Marcus reflected on the political climate that had led to this moment. He thought about the people he had met, the stories he had heard, and the dreams of freedom that seemed so elusive under the shadow of Roman power. The upcoming mission was a stark reminder of the role he played as an instrument of that power, a role that was increasingly at odds with his growing understanding of the convoluted curtain of Judean life. The political climate of Judea, with its layers of allegiance, aspiration and resistance, was a crucible in which the fate of the land and its people was being forged. For Marcus, 
Standing at the crossroads of duty and conscience, the path forward was fraught with uncertainty. Yet it was clear that the choices he made, the actions he took, would be indelibly shaped by the political realities of this ancient, troubled land. In the nucleus of Judea, under the vast expanse of a sky that bore witness to centuries of conquest and rebellion, the Roman garrison stood as a witness to the empire's far-reaching arm. Marcus Flavius, a young centurion, traversed the composites of Roman occupation with a sharp sense of duty, tempered by an ever-growing empathy for the Judean people. The marketplace of Jerusalem served as a focal point for interaction between the Romans and Judeans, an energetic hub where the exchange of goods mirrored the exchange of glances, curious, wary, sometimes hostile, but often filled with a grudging respect. Here Marcus walked the fine line between overseer and participant, his uniform marking him as an occupier, yet his demeanour speaking to a desire for understanding. On one such day, as the sun beat down on the stone pavements of the market, Marcus found himself amidst a crowd of Judeans, their voices rising in a cacophony of haggling and laughter. The scent of fresh olives, baked bread and spiced meats filled the air, a reminder of the land's abundance amidst the shadow of empire. Marcus's attention was drawn to a stall where a young Judean boy no older than ten was attempting to sell a basket of figs. The boy's determination, set against the stage of Roman soldiers patrolling the market, struck a chord within Marcus. Approaching the stall, he exchanged a few coins for some figs, his attempt at the local dialect earning a surprised smile from the boy. This simple act of commerce, of shared humanity, was noticed by others in the market. For a moment, Marcus was not a Roman centurion, but a man, partaking in the daily life of Judea. It was these small interactions, repeated across the landscape of occupation, that began to lace a multiplex variety of coexistence. Yet, the marketplace was not the only stage for such encounters. Public forums, where Romans and Judeans alike gathered to hear pronouncements and discuss affairs, provided a space for dialogue and debate. Marcus often found himself drawn to these forums, listening intently to the concerns of the local population, their grievances and hopes laid bare beneath the gaze of Roman authority. In these forums, Marcus encountered the eloquence of Judean speakers, their words an exemplification to a copious tradition of scholarship and oratory. He saw, too, the careful responses of Roman officials, their language crafted to affirm the power of Rome, while seeking to placate the restless spirit of the Judean people. Another point of interaction was the shared use of bathhouses, a Roman introduction that had become a fixture in urban life. Here, amidst the steam and the warmth of heated pools, barriers of rank and race seemed to dissolve, if only for a moment. Marcus, sitting alongside Judeans of various stations, found himself engaged in conversations that ranged from the philosophical to the mundane, each exchange offering a glimpse into the diverse drape of Judean thought and Roman pragmatism. Yet it was not always words that facilitated understanding. In the rural outskirts, where Roman patrols met with farmers tending to their fields, gestures of mutual respect often spoke louder than any decree. Marcus, leading such patrols, made it a point to show deference to the land and its keepers, acknowledging their toil and the sanctity of their harvest. These interaction points, from the crowded markets of Jerusalem to the tranquil countryside, from the heated debates of public forums to the communal peace of the bathhouses, painted a picture of Judea that was far more subtle than the simple narrative of occupier and occupied. For Marcus, each encounter, 
each shared moment was a nylon fiber in the ever-expanding web of his understanding. He began to see Judea not just as a land under Roman dominion, but as a place of profound beauty and convolutedness, where moments of connection transcended the barriers erected by empire and rebellion. In the twilight of his service, as Marcus meditated on his time in Judea, he realized that these points of interaction had shaped him as much as he had steered them. They were the markers of his expedition, the signposts of a path that had led him to a deeper understanding of duty, honor, and the shared humanity that bound Roman and Judean together in the patchwork of history. In the shadowed streets of Jerusalem, beneath the towering Roman aqueducts that sliced through the Judean landscape like arteries of the empire, the air was thick with unspoken tensions. Marcus Flavius, his senses honed by years within the garrison's walls, could feel the change, a subtle shift in the atmosphere that preluded stormier times. The unrest had been brewing for months, a slow, simmering pot threatening to boil over. It started as whispered discontent among the Judeans, their words carrying the weight of centuries of history and a deep-seated longing for freedom. Marcus had heard these whispers, at first scattered like seeds on the wind, but growing in fervor and frequency as the days passed. One evening, as Marcus patrolled the marketplace, the tension became perceptible. A group of Judeans, their faces set in lines of defiance, gathered around a preacher whose voice rose above the din of the crowd. His words, fiery and impassioned, spoke of resistance, of throwing off the yoke of Roman oppression. Marcus watched, his hand resting on the hilt of his sword, as the preacher's words ignited a spark in the eyes of the onlookers. The preacher spoke of the ancient prophecies, of a Messiah who would lead them to freedom, his rhetoric knitting together hope and anger into a potent call to action. The Romans, he declared, were not invincible. Their gods were not the gods of Judea. The true power, he professed, lay with the people and their faith. Marcus's duty demanded he report the gathering, yet he hesitated. Within him, a conflict raged, a battle between his allegiance to Rome and his growing empathy for the Judean people. He saw in their faces not just rebellion, but a deep-rooted desire for dignity and self-determination. The gathering dispersed before it could draw the attention of the Roman authorities, but the words lingered in the air, a harbinger of the storm to come. Marcus walked back to the garrison under the weight of a heavy sky, the stars obscured by clouds, mirroring the turmoil within his own heart. In the days that followed, the incidents grew bolder. A Roman tax collector was found beaten in an alley, his collection of denarii scattered in the dirt. A Roman patrol stumbled upon a cache of weapons hidden in a barn near a small village. The graffiti, once mere scratches on the walls of Roman buildings, now spelled out open threats and calls for rebellion. Marcus was summoned to a meeting with his superiors, where the air was thick with the scent of burning oil lamps and the gravity of the situation. They spoke of the need for increased patrols, for a show of force that would deter any potential insurrection. Yet Marcus could not shake the feeling that such measures would only fan the flames of rebellion. As he walked the streets of Jerusalem, now with a cohort of soldiers at his back, Marcus felt the weight of every glance, every whispered word. The marketplace, once a place of lively commerce, had become a stage for a silent standoff between the occupiers and the occupied. The breaking point came one fateful day at the Temple Mount. A group of zealots, their faces covered, stormed the Roman garrison stationed at the entrance, 
their swords drawn in defiance of the Empire. The clash was swift and brutal, leaving casualties on both sides and the ground stained with the blood of Roman and Judean alike. This act of violence, bold and shocking in its audacity, marked a turning point. The whispers turned to shouts, the unrest into open revolt. Marcus found himself at the heart of a conflict that challenged everything he believed in, forced to confront the reality of an occupation that was not just about maintaining order, but about suppressing the indomitable spirit of a people yearning to be free. The tensions that Marcus had sensed, the foreshadowing of a greater storm, had come to pass. Judea was on the brink of rebellion, a land divided by its allegiance to Rome and its loyalty to its own history and faith. For Marcus, caught between two worlds, the path ahead was fraught with uncertainty, each step leading him deeper into the heart of a conflict that would define his legacy within the annals of the Empire. In the land of Judea, where history whispered through the olive groves and the stones of Jerusalem spoke of ancient glories and sorrows, the emotional outlook was as rugged and varied as the terrain itself. For Marcus Flavius, a Roman centurion stationed far from the familiar streets of Rome, the emotional sojourn was as complicated and challenging as his military duties. The tone of life in Judea was a blend of contrasts. Joy and sorrow were interthreaded tightly, the celebrations of religious festivals echoing against the setting of Roman occupation. Marcus, with each passing day, found himself drawn deeper into the framework of local life, witnessing the resilience of the Judean people in the face of adversity. His role as an occupier had initially cast a shadow over his interactions with the locals, yet as time passed, the barriers of suspicion and hostility began to fray, revealing the common humanity that lay beneath. The moments of connection, shared laughter with a Judean merchant over a haggled price, the gratitude in a villager's eyes for a small act of kindness, the spirited debates with local scholars that challenged his worldview, were rays of light in the shadow of empire. But the emotional tone of his journey was not one of unbridled optimism. The undertone of tension, the whispered rumours of rebellion, and the heavy hand of Roman authority painted his experiences with shades of grey. Marcus felt the weight of his uniform, the symbol of his allegiance to Rome, and the burden of the decisions he was compelled to make in its service. The plight of the Judean people, their struggles and their stoic endurance, engraved itself into Marcus's heart. He saw in their faces the reflection of his own family, far away in Rome, and he wondered about the justice of their dominion over this land. The festivals he witnessed, dazzling with hue and filled with fervent prayers for deliverance, spoke of a deep-rooted faith that no amount of Roman engineering could dismantle. Marcus's internal conflict mirrored the external strife that simmered in Judea. The clash of cultures, the struggle for power, and the quest for identity were battles fought not only on the streets and in the fields, but within the hearts and minds of those caught in their wake. As Marcus patrolled the streets of Jerusalem, the setting sun casting long shadows over the stone walls, he pondered the legacy of Roman occupation. Would peace ever truly be achieved, or were they destined to rule over a land forever poised on the brink of revolt? The laughter of children playing in the alleyways, oblivious to the soldiers passing by, offered a poignant counterpoint to his musings, a reminder of the innocence that persisted amidst the turmoil. The emotional tone of Marcus's journey was one of deep change. From a soldier trained for war to a man who sought understanding, his path was marked by moments of doubt, empathy, and ultimately 
a deepening respect for the land and its people. Judea, with its ancient traditions and its indomitable spirit, had left an ineffaceable mark on his soul. In the quiet moments of introspection, as he looked out over the Judean hills, Marcus registered that his time in this land had changed him. The certainties of youth had given way to the complications of experience, and the black and white morals of empire had blurred into the myriad shades of human emotion. He understood now that the true strength of Rome lay not in the might of its legions, but in its ability to bridge the gulf between conqueror and conquered, to find common ground in the shared mosaic of humanity. As the story of Marcus Flavius unfastened against the environment of Judea, the emotional tone set the stage for a narrative of conflict and connection, of power and humility. It was an attestation to the enduring capacity for growth and understanding, even in the most unlikely of circumstances.